0: At FBCAA.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Okay, welcome. Uh, Thank you, John, for getting us set up there. We're in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. Matthew 26 and verse 26. And I'll begin straight away by reading in uh, the first of those. Five verses there from 26 on. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Verse 29. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in the Father in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Okay, just a short section of five verses, but this portion of the Bible is worthy of us slowing down to carefully consider what the Lord says and does here, after all, This is one of the worldwide church's two ordinances being established, the other being baptism, water baptism. Because it is practiced very differently uh, by different factions in the church, we need to think about our own practice in light of what the Lord says here in this portion of Scripture. We've set the stage already uh, through our expositional study Uh, Judas has agreed to betray Jesus. Jesus had the disciples set up the table and uh, instructed them about where to find the house to do that. Uh, He told them when they sat down to eat that somebody was going to betray him, but that he was going to fulfill the uh, word of God that had been written about him. He had been pre-anointed for his burial. We saw that uh, portion, the plot to kill him had been set in motion and uh, and all of that. Before that, of course, we saw his teaching that was given in the Passion Week, uh, in which he talked about the future and what would be happening uh, after his uh, return, shortly before his return, and then after his return as well. But now they're in the middle of eating the Passover, which I called the last Passover. It was the last one that was able to be celebrated in the same way that. The others uh, in, you know, centuries and millennia, almost millennia, centuries really before that, were able to be celebrated. After this, anybody who knows this portion of Scripture, I think, would not be able to celebrate the Passover the same way. Uh, they would sense something incomplete about suggesting that a lamb was that which was offered in their place uh, without pointing to the Lamb, capital L, who was given for our sins. We know that, unfortunately, some of our our friends on the Jewish side do not know that and how we long that they would understand the provision that God has made instead of going about to work their own righteousness, that they would submit to the righteousness of God which comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 9 and 10 talk about that very thing and that mindset that the Apostle Paul had toward them. But we're reading from the Apostle Matthew right now. And it says in verse 26, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. During the meal, he uh, took this bread, which was part of the Passover meal or what is called the Passover Seder, and he blessed it. The New King James Translate as uh, blessed. Uh, other translations, I think, maybe yours there, Mike, has uh, gave thanks in verse 26. Yes, gave thanks. The uh, two words are both uh, start with the letters E-U, EU, which is a prefix that means good, something like that. Um, I'll mention that in a moment again, but uh, he, it's translated here, he blessed it, which is where we get the phrase to bless the food. You know, would somebody bless the food? And I know this portion, but somehow it always strikes me as strange. Like, what am I? Like, I'm a pastor, so whenever I go to somebody's house, they always want the pastor to bless the food. It's like, I don't have any special powers to bless this food. I hope this food tastes good. <laughs> uh, you know, um, it, it just kind of strikes me a little bit humorous. Like, what am I doing, or what are we doing when we pray to to bless the food. Really what you're doing is you're blessing God, thanking God for giving you the food and, and praying that you'll use the energy thus gained in a way that is acceptable in his sight. But that's where we get the phrase to bless the food and we pray uh, over our meals before we eat. And then some, of course, have giving of thanks there uh, for it, but there, there is no uh, word it, I don't know if your translation has that. Mine has it in italics, and it's, it's um, it, you know blessed, he blessed. Well, he really gave thanks, but that's the same idea as blessing. Uh, the difference in meaning is really not that important for our purposes here. There really isn't that much of a difference. But um, he broke it, and he gave it. Now, this is is the origin of another common phrase that we have, although it's used elsewhere as well, um, the phrase to break bread. When you break bread with somebody, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's not just that you're sitting down to a utilitarian meal like you've got a 10-hour workday and you're just like, eat so we can keep working. It's more like you sit down, you have a relaxing time, you break bread with somebody, you fellowship with them, you uh, have a, you know, a conversation together and an enjoyable time and relaxing and all of that stuff, breaking of bread. In, in the, the real situation here, the case where this comes from, he literally broke the bread or divided it into portions or pieces for them to have. We don't have the uh, necessarily, the blessing to do this um, today. If you go to the store and you buy a loaf of bread, while conveniently they've already pre-broken it for you by slicing it, and all the slices. Yes, I know you buy a loaf of Italian bread, and they don't do that for you. Or, uh, well, I mean, even the um, even the garlic bread that you buy pre-packaged, it's already sliced in half the long way, right? So they can load it up with the butter and the garlic in there. I'm getting hungry here. It's tasting good already. Um, and uh, when you bake your own bread, like we have many times in our bread machine, you just get a a chunk of bread, and then you've got to cut it or break it, and that's what they would do to break it. And because it came from one loaf, uh, that's a very interesting idea if you think about it, when the Lord told him, told them that the meaning of the bread was his body and he broke it and shared it with each person at the table, they're all partaking of that same bread, of that one bread that represented uh, the Lord's body. So the meaning of the bread, this is a symbol, and I use that word symbol purposefully because it would have been completely obvious to the disciples then present that the Lord was not suggesting that the bread was literally his body. Okay, It was not his actual bodily flesh. That's because his body, his actual body was right there standing in front of them. He was using it to speak those words and to break that bread and pass it to them right there in front of their eyes. Rather, the bread was a symbol of his body in that first communion meal or Lord's table, or some have called it, more sacramentally-minded folks call it the Eucharist. In Luke 22.19, Dr. Luke adds that the bread represents the Lord's body. And here's the additional part given for you. Not just his body, but given for you. That breaking signified something, not just a participation of a bunch of people in it, but that brokenness indicating something of his death. Now, some of us, which have became accustomed to the King James or New King James, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-four, it says that uh, the body which is broken for you, this double use of the verb to break is not found in all the Greek manuscripts for Luke. The breaking of the Lord's body derives from the breaking of the bread. But if you ever thought about this? The Lord's body obviously was not divided into pieces like the bread was. In fact... It says I can count what in the Scriptures? I think it's Psalm 22. Count all my bones. a bone wasn't broken, right? His body wasn't pieced out. It wasn't dismembered like in so many awful crimes today. Bodies are dismembered or that one occasion in the Old Testament where that occurred. That is not the case here. Uh, although his body was greatly abused, After being flogged, spit upon, mocked, beaten, crucified, and then finally stabbed with a spear in his side. So indeed, his body was broken. Now, when we read, you know, we read the bread was broken, and we read his body was broken, we kind of do a quick change in our minds without even recognizing it. Broken when it refers to bread means divided into slices, if you will, or pieces. Broken when it refers to a body means damaged or wrecked or abused. It's the same word, broken, but it means two different things, doesn't it? It's not like the bread was just squashed and beaten and bruised. And you know, you know, imagine taking a loaf of bread from the store and just doing this with it, as, with all of your might, and just compressing it into a mass of compressed bread. <laughs> Enoch likes that anyway. Well, that's kind of what happened, Enoch, with the Lord's physical body. It was beaten and bruised and compressed and just hung there, and it was just just very bad, very bad how he was treated. But this is not the point yet. It's, it's, he's talking about um, the bread as a symbol. Of his body, and he told the disciples to eat it, that portion that was broken for them. And I don't believe, for a second, that they, you know, broke off little wafers. You know, about what, like this big around. I mean, this was a chunk of bread that they chewed on for a while. Okay, it was bigger than probably just a little piece of matzah that we have. Although it would have been matzah bread. The eating was a physical act that portrayed a spiritual reality. Now, the physical act is easy enough to understand. It's because it was eating. I mean, even we see little little babies, you know, six months old. You put them in a high chair and you start sticking a spoon in their mouth with rice cereal or oatmeal or whatever, you know, uh, ground up carrots and peas. Those are the worst (laughs) Uh, but they you, little ones know how to eat. So eating is the easiest of things. But but what is the spiritual reality that's portrayed in this? And I think the answer really has two parts. In Luke twenty two nineteen, 19, it says, He took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. So... First of all, the thing eaten, the bread, is a symbol of the body of the Lord, that body which is given for you. So the spiritual reality that eating symbolizes refers to Christ's giving of himself, his body, in sacrifice on behalf of his disciples. Secondly, eating the symbol portrays our deep living connection to the bread that is eaten, okay? So it's a symbol of the body, what we eat. The act of eating that thing is portrays our deep living connection with the bread that is eaten. That connection began when we came to faith in God, in Christ, and continues into the present. Now, we could turn our Bibles back to John 6, And we would see in John 6, 40 and 51 and 53 to 57 that the Lord says, you know, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. That's in John's gospel, chapter 6. So what we eat is the symbol of the body. Eating of that symbol portrays our connection to him. And thirdly, It's commanded that we do it in remembrance of Him, in remembrance of Him. So let me put these three parts together that I just said here and say it this way. The element of the bread reminds us in the present of our connection to Christ and what He did in the past. Our eating of that bread is done in remembrance. It reminds us in the present of our connection to Christ in what he did in the past. So it it takes us from the present to the past, okay? I'm sure others have given other kind of definitional statements of this, but uh, when he says it's a symbol, uh, do it in remembrance of me, it's obviously symbolic has to be pointing back at something. Remembrance is pointing back at something, but that symbol is also pointing to the present in uh, the connection that we have in Christ, okay? So it reminds us in the present of our participation in Christ and that we benefited and still benefit from his work that he did once for all in the past. Now, this, the interesting thing for me is this is the one and only time in which the elements of the Lord's table were partaken of before the event that they symbolized. Ever after this, when the church broke bread together in the communion, they were always looking historically back. Christ died for us. These men are not in full understanding of what's going to happen yet, but they, if they were, they would have been able to say, we're doing this, eating this symbol in remembrance of what is going to happen. Ooh. That's, that really kind of gets your mind going. I'm remembering something that hasn't happened yet because they're being told that just as the, it's been written, the Son of Man is going to go as it's written where? In Daniel 9.26, after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off. Boy, what a, what a shocking thing that they were experiencing at that time. Very interesting, the timing of it relative to this first Lord's Table service. Now, let me just say this, and and we're going to have to uh, bring our time to a close here soon, Um, just having dealt with the bread. The eating is not a reenactment of a sacrifice. How do we know that? Well, first of all, we know theologically Christ died once for all time, for all people, and all places. Okay, Once. That's a theological argument, but we know from the text of Scripture directly in this passage that it's not a reenactment. What does he say? That it is. He says, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in reenactment? Nope. Remembrance. The Bible says explicitly it is a remembrance of Jesus. The eating is not receiving a new dose of saving grace. The way that some people look at it is they have to go and get a booster of of salvation, of saving grace, whenever they go to this, well, the Mass, or that's exactly right. You you are going to get kind of a booster shot of this grace that you need, and if you don't keep doing that, you're, you're lost, very bad situation. The reenactment has to keep happening in a sense. or the kind of the symbolism of the reenactment. Well, there is no reenactment. Let's, let's get that out of our mind. There's a one-time sacrifice, period. That's it. It's a remembrance of Christ's grace which he gave him, in which he gave himself in the past, and it continues to, to benefit us in the present. Let that sink in. The Bible says it's a remembrance. So... Let us leave it alone as a remembrance, not a reenactment, not a resacrifice, not, you know, transubstantiation, all that sort of stuff. It's a remembrance, okay? God knows we need a reminder. We forget too often, don't we? Sunday night we have the communion, Monday afternoon, we've forgotten all about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now some may feel that our understanding here, called the symbolic or memorial view, takes something away from us in terms of divine grace. I mean, they say, what do you mean? We go to the mass and we take these elements and we don't get a new infusion of divine grace? Yes, I mean that because it's a remembrance. It's not an infusion or reenactment of divine grace. My friends, you don't have to be afraid when somebody says, oh, you took something away. We didn't take anything away. This is a scripturally-based view. It's the scripturally-based view. And as such, it cannot take away that which was never there in the first place. It cannot take away that which was never there in the first place. Everybody today is like, the Supreme Court took away our right to an abortion. There was no right to an abortion ever. It never existed in the Constitution. Have you read the whole uh, opinion, majority opinions, of the court on that? I have. Have you? If you haven't, don't complain until you've read them, okay, and understood them, what they say. So we can't take away something that never existed in the first place. We can just recognize we never had it. We never had here an extra infusion of divine grace. We had a remembrance ceremony And, of course, always when you remind yourself of God's grace, it's a good thing, and you're freshly renewed in understanding of it. But we're not taking away anything. What was there in the first place was a precious remembrance of the work of Christ and His life-giving connection uh, that He gives to us in Him. And then, furthermore, to remember the work of Christ and be reminded of our ongoing present benefit is a boundless, boundless benefit and blessing that we can enjoy. You know, sometimes people are always looking for what they don't have, what they don't have, what I, I want, I need, i, I got to have this and more and something else and all that. Rather, I would counsel you, look at what you do have right in front of you. When you come on the Sunday night, it'll be November 6th, I think it is, the first Sunday night, and and Lord willing, we are able to have the table together you see the elements set on that table, and you remember the blessing that it is to be saved, the blessing that it is to know God, the blessing that it is to have your sins forgiven, to have new life in Christ, to not be conformed to the world, to be, to be rescued from sin and from addictions of all sorts. Look at what you have right in front of you in the Lord's table. Remember the Lord. Do not forget him because he gave his body for you, for the remission of your sins, for, uh, for your salvation. Of course, we'll come to the cup next time and we'll see even more about that. But we're going to hold there for this evening and ask God's blessing. Father, we are thankful to you for your loving kindness in providing us this remembrance of uh, communion of the Lord's table. Lord, uh, we... Don't expect there to be some magical um, things that happen at the table, but we do expect spiritual things to happen there because we're doing what you've told us to do. We we expect to that through the normal means of obedience that you bless your people with. Uh, we pray that you would help us to appreciate the Lord's table, appreciate how you have provided it as that reminder that. The body of Christ was given for us, and we are to remember that. Don't forget it, don't blow it off. don't treat it like nothing. It certainly wasn't nothing to Jesus when He came, laid aside the glories of deity and took upon himself the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of men, he f- humbled himself even to the point of death, and even beyond that to the death of a cross. It certainly wasn't nothing to him, and I pray that it will, be, it will not be nothing to us, that it will be something, that it will be great in our sight, what he has done, giving his body and his blood on our behalf. pray you'd watch over your people tonight, Lord, both here and those who are remote from us listening in. Keep them, strengthen them, help them. May your face smile upon them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I guess we should almost have the Lord's table now, but we're going to wait until our normal scheduled time to do that. Until then, God bless you and keep you. We'll look forward to seeing you men on Saturday, and uh, we'll see everybody, God willing, on Sunday unless, uh, well, what, we get sick or the car breaks down or something. (laughs) Uh, We hope that won't be the case, but uh, be well. Amen. Good night.